Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Good morning. Man, I love it. You guys are alive. It's good to see your faces. Man, Gabe and Katie got back last night, 8 o'clock, from Thailand. Mercy. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, yeah, very thankful. Very thankful for all that, all that God did there that we don't, we don't yet know, and maybe we won't know until eternity, but um, definitely look forward to hearing the, the stories that God did give you guys, and just so glad you guys are back safe. Um, so, uh, I was not supposed to preach this Sunday, but Daryl got sick last week, so Wednesday I found out. Um, so we're going we're gonna to be back in Romans today, and I'm excited. I figured this would be uh, the good news just gets better part two, but I started, I, I looked at one verse, verse 26, and I got about eight, nine hundred thousand words, and I was like, nah, this, this is not going to this is not going to work to do like five verses like I was hoping because verses 26 and 27 of chapter 8 are so dense and so rich. We're going to slow down a little bit and we're going to just meditate. We're going to chew on it today. If you have your Bibles, go to Romans 8. I hear pages turning already. Romans 8. I want you guys to see this. It's on the screens, but it's good to follow along in Scripture. That way, if you get lost, you could just start reading the context and that might be even more helpful to you than what I say. But today, this is called a meditation on the Trinity and prayer. A meditation on the Trinity and prayer. As I was reading this text, um, God kind of, like, I thought I had, I wrote about, you know, that, that thousand words on, like, one verse, and then God kind of course corrected me, and draft two was like a complete revision. I threw it all out. I was like, thank you, Lord, for setting me straight. It wasn't like way off. It was, it was I'm just thankful. I, I kind of leaned on John Piper um, this week a little bit more, and he kind of set me straight, and I was like, okay, yeah, that's, I was not, I was not on the right path. Um, so, so thankful to be corrected there, and I want to preach to you with boldness today. Let's read it first, Romans 8, verse 26 and 27. Are you there? Say amen. Okay. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness because we do not know what to pray for as we should but the spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because he the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Why don't we just, let's just stop and pray right there. Father, you are present here through the Spirit. And, and I want our faith to rise to believe and experience the glory of that reality again today. That hopefully there have been many battles this week against sin. That, that, that hopefully there has been a war this week in each of our lives against the flesh, against sin, against discouragements, 
against different things that would come against us and come against our joy, come against our peace. There's been a war this week, and so now we're here together, and there's rest. Praise God there's peace and there's rest in this moment, and maybe some hearts are not there. And so I'm praying that you would bring them into that today, Lord, into this fellowship, that there's a safety here. That we don't need to play church, we don't need to look good, we're broken, and we know it, and we need Jesus. And the Spirit of God is here with us this morning, with joy, with love, with truth, with compassion, and grace. Just all around us, we're surrounded by you, Lord. And as we study this text, give us understanding in the name of Jesus. Give us an opening of eyes, Lord, to value what your word is saying. To glimpse your heart in a way that goes beyond our, our, our head. It, it takes hold of our brain and, and gets into the, the deepest part of our heart. And it really does transform the way we see you. It makes us more grateful. It makes us stand in awe. It makes us worship more fully. Lord, give us awakeness and alertness this morning that we may receive what you are giving us. In Jesus' name, I thank you. Amen. By faith. Okay. So, the nature of this message. We're only covering two verses, right? And some of us might feel the temptation will come that this, this, this is like, why, why are we doing this? This is tedious. This is unnecessary, but I want to challenge those thoughts when they come to you today. It's like, what are we talking about? This is just really heady, and it's really like, just, what, is it, what does it have to do with my life? God's purpose for his word is not just to tell us exactly what we think we need at any given moment. Do you hear that? That God's purpose for you today is bigger than just saying, here's what you get for the next week. He wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to reveal himself to you. And if we're in, a, in the flesh, which, which many of us may be operating in the flesh right now, that's not a condemnation. It's a call. It's a, it's a call to sobriety. It's a call to come out of that. Let's believe in Jesus. But if we're operating in the flesh right now, we can see today what God is showing us and think, eh, I don't get it. What does that have to do with my life? Or we can humble ourselves and say, Lord, I may not understand this. this I, I may not value this, but I need you to change me. I need you to change me because this is your word and this is a window through which I get to perceive and understand the living God who makes himself known to us today. So let's have a faith. That is why we come humbly and surrender today, laying our cares at his feet and receiving what he wants to show us. The main idea as we move through these two verses is this, okay? This is on the screens. We seek to understand the Word of God. Why? We seek to understand the Word of God so that we might love and worship God more than we currently do. Let's not lose track of the greatest commandment. God, what do you want, what do you want from me? What do you want me to do? Son, daughter, I just want you to love me. Everything else will flow from that. So as we behold God today, 
Let the Spirit well up and stir up a love and an affection for Jesus so that we might worship Him more fully than we currently do. So verse 26, let's look first at this phrase, in the same way. Okay, that, that immediately takes us to the previous verses. We know, we're looking at verse 26, we know immediately. We are dependent on what was just said. So what was just said, let's look at verses 22 and 25. We covered this about two, three weeks ago. For we know, Paul says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. That's us. That's creation. That's the world we live in. We're in labor. New life is coming. The fullness of perfection and new life is waiting and it's coming and we're anticipating it. We're in labor. Just like a woman who's giving birth. She's not in pain for no reason. She's in pain because she is giving, she is bringing new life into the world. It's a very specific picture that Paul uses here. But not only that, but we ourselves who have the Spirit as the first batch of our inheritance, the first fruits, the first part of the, the harvest that's coming, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. When Jesus died, He redeemed you. Did He redeem your body? Did He buy your body back to its perfect, to its perfect state, to its immortal state? No. He purchased your soul. He redeemed your soul. He redeemed your spirit. He brought you to life spiritually. But our bodies, they're weak. They're frail. They are subject to urges and temptations and sickness and all kinds of things. But we are waiting for the redemption of our bodies. Now in this hope, we were saved. But hope that is seen is not hope because who hopes for what he sees? We covered this last time, right? Now, if we hope for what we do not see, here's the clinch verse. If we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. So when verse 26, back to verse 26, when it says, in the same way the Spirit helps us, what is it, in what way? In the way that hope helps us? Think about that. How does hope help us? It strengthens us, doesn't it? It strengthens us. We know the sun's going to rise. Weeping may last for the night, but joy is coming in the morning. Hope. Hope strengthens us. Hope helps us, church. It helps us wait with patience. Helps us wait, not with foreboding and dread, which is a lot of the time me. Fine, God, you're going to come through. I know it, but it's not fun right now. No. Hope helps us eagerly wait. Because I know my God is going to come through. And I know right now it may suck, it may hurt, but God is working good in this. Which is the next verse we're not going to get to today. God works all things together for good to those who love God. So unfortunately we're not really going to get there today, but there's a taste. Where was I? Hope causes us to eagerly wait. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. So what does this mean? What is this weakness? Well, this is where I lean again on John Piper, and I found it very helpful. John Piper makes a great observation by looking back again at verse 23, where we see that we're waiting for the redemption of our bodies. We get a clue as to what weakness refers to here. Sure, maybe it could refer to any weakness we have in general. But, but based on the context, 
it specifically refers directly more to verse 23. We are eagerly waiting for the redemption of our bodies. Our unredeemed body is the source of so much of our groaning and weakness. Our unredeemed body is not responsible for our sinful actions. Understand that. Our unredeemed body is not responsible for our sinful actions. We don't get to blame our body for our bad decisions. But our broken body holds so many urges and and presents us with so many temptations. And it is responsible for much of our suffering when it comes to health issues and physical pain. But a lot of times when we talk about our unredeemed bodies, we only think of like the sickness and pain. We don't think of like, you know, as a guy, I'll just be honest with you. I don't know any more powerful force, maybe anger, but then, then sexual urges. Sex is a strong drive. And in our world, it can drive us to a lot of unholy things. Just as anger, all of that. But God, through the Spirit in us, has given us self-control. So that our bodies don't rule us. But yet we war against them, do we not? We war against our mouth. (laughs) James chapter 3, going through that with the teens. We war against our brain. All the thoughts that come in there, all the talk that we hear. We war against these things. This is our weakness, church. We are still subject to all of this. Even though Christ has won the victory, I don't want to just dismiss that. We have the victory, but we have an enemy. We have a few enemies. We have sin living in us. Living in us, sin. Not just the devil outside or the world outside, but sin within. Okay. In this state, Paul declares that we don't even know how to pray rightly. In this state, we don't actually know really what to ask for in prayer. We throw this up, we say this, and sometimes we think, oh yeah, this is it. But Paul says, in our broken state of eagerly waiting for restoration, we don't even know what we should pray for. But good news, that this is why and where the Spirit helps us. You would think that we could be able to pray on our own, right? You would think that we could do something as simple as pray on our own. (laughs) But Paul says, unfortunately not. You need God to even pray, to even commune with God. You need him to help you talk. You need him to help you make sense of your prayers. This is why and where the Spirit helps us. That's how dependent we are on the Holy Spirit. That's how close he is to us, beloved. And truly, we are beloved. We could look at this two ways. We could say, wow, we're pathetic. Or we could say, wow, God's really good that he would come that close, that he would be that patient, that he would say, yeah, let me help you pray, child. When you start believing that, it takes the closeness and the nearness and the presence of God to a deeper level. That, okay, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for dinner. I'm going to bless this food. Simple enough. I need the Holy Spirit. Sure, I could pray in the flesh. I could say some words. I could put on a religious performance. But if I want to commune with God, I need the Spirit. We need the Spirit. You need the Spirit to worship. 
You need the Spirit to sing. Hey, good news, believers. You have the Spirit. Do you believe it? Amen. God the Father does not simply look down from His lofty place in heaven and offer us a hand now and then. Oh, some of us live like this. Even though we'd never say that, this is how we live. God is distant. He'll give me a hand every now and then. God, the Holy Spirit, is ever-present with us and actively helping us every day. Did we forget that the Holy Spirit is himself God? It's not an it. The Holy Spirit is not an it. It's not a force. Yes, he is a mystery. He's probably the most mysterious person of the Trinity. But he is God. He is God in fullness. So get this. The word help here, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we should. That word for help right there is beautiful. I'm going to try this in Greek. This is a fun one right here. Sunanti lambanomai. Sunanti lambanomai. That is the word here, and it means to lay hold along with. To strive to obtain with others. Help in obtaining. To take hold with another. Isn't that beautiful? God doesn't just do everything for us. He doesn't say, hey, you sit back and be a passive agent. Right? Even in the Old Testament, we think of the stories where God's like, hey, stand still and behold. We're still standing still and trusting the Lord. It's not about what we're doing, but God is involving us. He says, you're going to stand and you're going to watch right now. You're not going to go back to Netflix. You're going to stand and you're going to watch what I'm going to do. Okay, today you're going to fight. David inquires of the Lord, should I go against these people? Should I attack them? And he's like, yeah, go for it. God gives him the victory. There's enemies again. David's like, Lord, what should I do? He's like, actually this time, I want you to, I'm going to give you this plan. God is involved. And he requires and asks for your involvement. He says, we're together. How cool is that? That we labor with God. The Holy Spirit helps us. He comes alongside us in our prayers. He says, let me help you pray. Let me give you words that you don't have. Let me help you get this right in your mind. Let me help you see this situation correctly. We're communing with God. He helps us in our prayers. 1 Corinthians 15.10, real quick. This is not a huge side piece, but I wanted to uh, see this idea in another scripture where we labor with God. And it is, it is a little bit of a mystery. Is it us? Is it God? Is it me? Is it God? But by the grace of God, Paul says, I am what I am. By his grace, by his power, his favor in my life, that's what makes me what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, yet not I. What? But the grace of God that was with me. Same idea here. That is it Paul or is it the grace of God? Yes. Yes. Is it the Holy Spirit? Is it me? Yes. So we are doing the praying, or the silence, or the meditation, or the reading, 
But the Spirit is right there with us, helping us pray. Do you see that God desires to be very close to you? He didn't set this up so that you would, okay, there you go, I think you're set, I think you got all the tools you need, now do your best. No, he says, I'm right there with you and you actually need me. You need my love, you need everything I am right now again. And the flesh is like, the sun is too bright. That's too glorious. That's too much of God's presence for me. I can't handle it. Just leave me alone. Let me read my Bible, Lord. But that's how near God is. That's how much he loves you. That's how close. Oh, and the day we are waiting for, church, is the day where the flesh is renewed. And we just, oh, we just want the presence of God. We want all of its intensity. In greater measure, we have a capacity. We have a bigger stomach for spiritual things. We have an appetite and a hunger that says, yeah, I want more. I want more of the glory of God. Now, <laughs> this is where we really start entering the mystery and bumping against the ceiling of our understanding. Have I lost you yet? Okay. So the Spirit intercedes for us. Verse 26, let's read it again, yeah? In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with expressible, inexpressible groanings. Again, who's praying? Is it us? Is it the Holy Spirit? Yes. Now, He, he intercedes for us. In the English, the word intercede means to intervene on behalf of another. So the Holy Spirit intervenes on our behalf to the Father. Wait, isn't the Holy Spirit himself God? This is going to be fun. Why is God praying to himself? The Word of God, no, don't just, don't just throw a slap answer on it real quick. Oh, because, you know, you know God is, you know, Trinity and... Right, we're going to look at the Trinity for a minute. We're going to stare through that window. It's kind of a window that we just kind of leave open over here. In, in, in the house of all that God teaches us. We're like, well, that's never going to be shut. That's never, never going to understand that. So let's just leave it open and let the wind through. But we're going to look through that window. We're going to look at God through that window for a minute. Our God is one. He's one. We don't worship three gods. Yet, simultaneously, okay, I forgot. I always forget to mention this, so I'm going to stop to the live stream people and to you guys. Almost every Sunday there are notes available on your phone. If you go to fresnochurch.info, you can follow along like with what I'm saying. You can make your own notes, and you can send those notes to yourself. If you want to do that, you scan that QR code in the chair. So just, uh, just a heads up there. Okay. Our God is one, yet simultaneously he is three. He is a tri-unity. What we commonly call the Trinity. That word is not in the Bible. That is our attempt to look at Scripture and in the most accurate understanding we can achieve, we say, okay, that's, that's how we understand God most accurately based on all of the scripture combined and the picture it gives us. Because again, we are finite beings trying to understand an infinite God. 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, distinct from each other, yet perfectly one. This boggles our small, finite minds when we consider the work of the Spirit. But it even boggles our mind more when we observe Jesus. Because Jesus became a man. And yet he prays to his Father. But Jesus himself is God. Now this discussion could potentially go on forever because we are trying to discuss the one infinite being that is. Although this is not our primary discussion or focus today, there is always value in just stopping to stare at the glory of our infinite God. Get that. I don't know, I don't know how good we are at doing that. It's like, well, what does that do for me? No, no, it's not about that. Just stop and stare at God. Meditate on him. Think about him. That's renewing your mind in a world of garbage, in a world that is, is, is opposing everything about God. Because it's him. There's always value. We worship. We stop and say, wow, that's right. That's who I love. That's who I worship. That is who loves me. That is who I live for. And you know what that is? You know what happens when you meditate? Faith begins to rise. Or at least faith begins to question your doubt. Rather than the other way around. Faith says, could it be better than you think? Could God be closer than you think? Could his love be more needed than you think? So let's return to our initial question. Why is God praying to himself? Why does the Spirit intercede to the Father for us? Before we answer that, we, let's go to Jesus first. Paul tells us um, that Jesus intercedes for us in just like a few verses. In verse 34, look at it, Romans 8, 34. You have that, Ryan? Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more, has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. So we got the Holy Spirit with us, interceding for us. You have Jesus at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. Do you think maybe you're on God's mind a little bit more than he's on yours? Brothers and sisters, be blown away by this. When you're not even thinking about God, this is what's happening. Intercession, intervention on your behalf. It's not to make us feel guilty or you need to do better. It's just stand in awe, be amazed at the mercy of God again. Why do the Spirit and Jesus intercede to the Father for us? When we pray, who do we most often direct our prayers to? You're saying God? Who do we most direct our prayers to most of the time? Jesus the Father, you? Okay, okay, John, that's a whole, you want to go a whole different direction today. I love it. I heard Jesus, I heard the Father. Who did, let's, let's go like this, okay? Right, there's some, there's some confusion. I don't know if I'd call it confusion because he's God. We can pray to Jesus. We can pray to the Father. Who does Jesus tell us to pray to? The Father. Father, who our Father who art in heaven. Most often our prayers are directed to our Father, our Abba. Okay? It's not saying we don't talk to Jesus. It doesn't say we don't talk to the Holy Spirit. But most of the time it's the Father. Our flesh and the devil 
they may suggest this to us. That the father is the hesitant, begrudging, condemning king of the Old Testament. That the spirit and Jesus have to work really hard to help convince him to help us. To help convince him to be merciful and to love us again. To not leave us. That's why the Holy Spirit and Jesus are interceding, right? Because God is just, he's got so much wrath. He's got a wave of wrath behind him. He's just like, let me pour it out on them. It's the flood all over again. It's Moses all over. Moses, stand aside. I'm going to kill these people. In the Old Testament. Noah, get your family together. Build a boat because it's going to end. My wrath is coming. And the Holy Spirit and Jesus are right there saying, no, God. Intercede. (laughs) Hey, sometimes, sometimes. Maybe it's not as dramatic as that, but those are the little seeds that can be sowed in our mind. This is untrue altogether. Our Father delights to help us. And He is the one who sent Jesus and then sent us the Holy Spirit because of His overflowing care and love for us. This was the Father's idea. Jesus dying on a cross for us, that was the Father's idea. Now that, again, that's complicated. I'm I'm going sideways on the mystery because Father and Son are united in purpose. So again, why do they intercede for us? Why, that is, why do the Spirit and Jesus, why do they need to intervene on our behalf before the Father? Are you with me? Are you understanding the question? Why do we need the Holy Spirit and Jesus to intervene on our behalf? If the Father loves us and the Father delights in us. This is worthy of meditation. Let's look at Jesus' intercessory work. Hebrews 4. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, who is the high priest? Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are. Whoa. Read it again. He's been tempted in every way as we are. Every way. That's worthy of 10 minutes of meditation at least. How many ways have we been tempted? Yet, he was without sin. Not us. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Jesus has literally been through it. He had the human experience. He endured all our sins on the cross. He better have endured all of them. Better not have missed one. God doesn't just know our struggles from a distance. Because he's divine and he's able to do that. He's able to perceive in his emotions and his, his, the mind of God what it feels like to be human. No, no, no. No, no, no. He actually endured it. He actually became human and went through it. He endured our struggles and temptations in Jesus. God was in Jesus reconciling the world to himself. Jesus is the human representative to the Father. Do you realize that Jesus is still human? Jesus didn't set aside his humanity when he ascended to the Father. He is still the God-man at the right hand of the Father right now. He's the firstborn. 
He's the first one. The first, first human to be at the right hand of the Father. He is our representative. Adam used to be our representative. Right? Romans 5. He no longer represents the children of God. Jesus has taken his place as our representative. And he is the representative because the Father willed it. Remember Jesus in the garden? He was almost ready to give up. His will was breaking, but the Father's will was steadfast. No, son, this is the way. And the son said, yes, Father, not my will, but your will be done. We're going to remember that this Friday at 7 o'clock, Good Friday service, communion. We're going to meditate on that. So Jesus is able to intercede for us, to intervene on our behalf. That's how close God has chosen to acquaint himself with our sufferings and our lives. One more passage on this, verse John 2, 1 through 2. My little children, I am writing to you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not was, is the atoning sacrifice still. And not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. The righteous wrath of God is assuaged for us because of the work of the Son on the cross. And every time we sin, there is Jesus at the right hand of the Father intervening for us over and over again because he already justified us once and for all in his cross and resurrection. Jesus is the intervention of God in response to our sin. So why does Jesus intercede for us? Because he is our human representative to the Father. He's also the payment for all of our sins. Jesus intercedes for us because God does not want to know us at a distance. So Jesus is right there. The third person of the Trinity is right there saying, yep, I know exactly how they feel. <laughs> what? I know exactly what they're going through. Not from a distance because he's God, but because he went through it. That, are you understanding that a little bit? Hebrews 4, what we just read. Think about that. Now, Full circle, back to the Holy Spirit. Why is the Holy Spirit interceding for us? Uh, let's just read verse 26 and 27. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. Are you tired yet? You awake? Okay. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness because we do not know what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now, this is where Piper set me straight. He makes another critical observation here. He notes that these groanings, now we do, we do whatever we want with this passage all the time, don't we? We, we, we bring it up into conversations. So, so I want to give us some clarity here. These groanings mentioned are not originating in the Spirit. They're not from the Spirit. They're not the Spirit's groanings. A lot of times we think that. That's what I thought. And I was like, hold up. When he explained this, I was like, that makes sense. 
Remember where our groanings come from. Our weakness. The Spirit does not have weakness. The Spirit does not have a body that needs to be redeemed. But rather the Spirit takes our inexpressible groanings, those things underneath that we don't know how to articulate, the pain of anticipation, the loss, the disappointments, the sufferings, the cries. Read the Psalms, read Job, those groanings. If you don't know what groanings are in your own life, then you can read them in the Word because they're there. We groan. We groan within ourselves. The Holy Spirit takes our inexpressible groanings before the Father. He helps us, strives to obtain with us, right? Whatever that word was. In our prayers. And He intervenes on our behalf as we struggle in our prayers. So when we pray, oh, application here. Are you with me? Listen to this, church. When we pray, we are not trusting in ourselves and our mastery of wording or our failure to put anything into words. Doesn't matter. It's not about you. It's not about your ability or your inability to pray. I feel like we say this a lot. This is one of the excuses for why we don't pray. I just don't know how to pray. I, I don't know. I just get there and my mind goes blank. And that's fine. It doesn't mean you're not praying because it's not about you. It's not about you praying. What did you say to God? It's not primarily about that. We are trusting that the Holy Spirit is helping us pray and making sense of the things we don't even know how to communicate. When we come in a, on a Wednesday night at 6.30, beloved, let this change the way we pray on Wednesday nights, that we might believe even more in the Spirit's working among us. Because He has been. We've seen answers to prayer. And those times are beautiful. And the Spirit is there. And when you're alone, the Spirit's there. And He's helping you pray. So if you're just there, struggling to articulate anything, you know what's happening? Prayer. Yeah, you don't get a clap. You don't get a, a, a pat on the back. Because, oh man, my prayers really hit home. No. No. And if, if you are like, man, I was on fire. I had like, there's been times where I'm like that. Where I'm thinking like not, I'm on fire, but God, that was amazing. Like I just had clarity with what I wanted to ask. I had faith. I had boldness in what I was asking for. I'm yelling at demons. I'm, you know, whatever else, right? Those are beautiful times. They, the Spirit's there. Man, I was struggling so much to pray. I just couldn't really get anything out. And when I tried to say something, it just didn't make sense. I, the Spirit was there too. And the Spirit was with you. And He was interceding for you. And He was taking your groanings. He was taking those deep things in your heart before the Father. So don't stop relying on yourself in prayer. Just pray. Just be with the Lord. And trust Him. Ask Him for words. And wait for Him. That, that battles the flesh. That the flesh doesn't like that. It's like, let me get in, let me say what I need to say, and we'll get done. Let's get through this. Come on. I got things, I got places to be. I got things to do. 
but just waiting with the Spirit until He gives us words, until He speaks to us, or just waiting. Just waiting, just feeling the groaning, feeling the anticipation. It's weird because sometimes I pray and it just, just hurts. It just hurts because I'm not watching YouTube. I'm not escaping. I'm not distracting myself in all the ways I, I'm just hurting. <laughs> and God's like, yeah, son, I'm here with you. You're not going to leave this prayer session and feel great about yourself. This, this is it. Labor pains, bro. Labor pains, and I'm with you, and I love you, and you're waiting. Doesn't that change the way you think about prayer a little bit? I hope, I hope this is edifying. I hope it does. That when you come, you're just coming with the faith. Well, it's like my mind wanders. That's okay. It's wondering. I'm going to pull it back. But I had to pull my mind back 70 times. Okay, you're, you're doing it. Trust the Spirit. Same with the Word. Same with the Word. Man, I'm not getting anything out of it. Why am I reading this list of names? My mind is wandering. I can't. God's with you. God's working. That's simple, beloved. It's that simple. God's working. God's using it in ways you can't see. Humble yourself. And be disciplined. It's, it's that simple. Humble yourself. Just read the Word. Just pray. Pour out your heart before God. God, I feel guilty because I haven't prayed. Son, don't feel guilty. Daughter, don't feel guilty. You're here now. I'm not trying to make you guilty. I just want to love you. Just come, be with me. Okay. However, everything we said, this doesn't mean that if you don't know how to phrase something or if you don't know how, what to ask for, your response is always just to throw up your hands and say, well, the Spirit's got it. Yes, the Spirit does got it. But it is for your benefit that you ask the Father for words to say. That you ask the Spirit for words to say. That you sit in a request long enough to begin formulating statements and requests. It is for your benefit, and the Holy Spirit will help. But sometimes there are just no words. There are just no words. And there's just an inexpressible groaning. Don't you love the word inexpressible? Kind of gives us a hint that sometimes we're just not going to have any words. The groaning is inexpressible. And that's okay. The Holy Spirit knows what to do with that. So praise God. How merciful and gracious and kind is our God. What I want us to guard against is a laziness in our prayers. And that's what I was covering a little earlier. Well, God knows better anyway. God knows what I'm going to say before I say it, so I'll just leave it to Him. Beloved, don't be deceived. That's passivity, and it's not what God desires for His children. But rather that we would draw near in brokenness and humility yet confident in His presence and help. Confident in His presence and His help. We use the minds and the mouths and the ears and the faith He has given us to commune with Him and seek His will. The, the Holy Spirit is helping us, not doing it all for us. God wants you. He desires your communion. 
Verse 27, and this is not going to take much longer. And he who searches our hearts, the Father, knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So who is the one who searches our hearts? God, okay, come on. We're talking about the Trinity today. That answer doesn't count. The, the Holy Spirit, okay. In, this, in, in reference to this, he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. It, it's, it's the Father. The Father searches our hearts. And you're like, duh. It's, he's God. Again, the mystery. Jesus. The, they all... <laughs> look how I'm talking about God. They all... He knows our hearts. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They, He, knows our hearts. But the Father is who it's talking about here. He searches our hearts and He knows the mind of the Spirit. But the Father's the one who searches. He's the one to whom we direct our prayers most of the time. So the Father sees right through us. He sees past any pretense, but not so He can judge us. He knows us. He also knows the mind of the Spirit. So what does that mean? Why, does that, why is that relevant to us? Isn't that just obvious? Again, so many things when you read Scripture, you're like, well, that's obvious. Well, meditate on it a little longer. I remember walking through the Proverbs with the teens. And some of them, you're like, well, pretty straightforward, moving on. But if you think about it, you're like, wait a minute, let me meditate on this. You're like, oh, this, this door opens. <laughs> Man, that's a great illustration for the word. I'm getting sidetracked. But... Um, I believe it means what we've already said, that God is one. What does it mean that the Father knows the mind of the Spirit? The Father and the Spirit are united in desire and will. The Spirit is not interceding for us with an agenda different than the Father's agenda. The Spirit is intervening on our behalf according to the Father's will. The Spirit, oh, Listen to this. The Spirit is bringing the will of God to pass in our lives as we pray. That is beautiful. Because again, it reminds you, you're praying, your prayers are not about you and what you're saying and what are you accomplishing and did you pray well enough. No! The Holy Spirit is working. So in, pra in prayer, we may just get interrupted by praise. He's like, wow, I don't have any words. Praise God, the Holy Spirit's working in me right now. Faith, that's what faith does. Because faith, see faith sees past our weakness. It sees past ourselves. It sees the work of God and His goodness and His love and His presence. It says, yeah, hallelujah. I'm stumbling all over the place. Can't even talk right, but God is working. But the Spirit is interceding. The Father knows the Spirit's mind and He is bringing the will of God to pass in me in this situation that I am concerned about, anxious about. Stop thinking that your prayers are all about what you are saying. God is working in you through the Spirit's intercession as you pray. Is this making some sense? Amen. Okay, look at this. This is the conclusion right here. Do you see how involved God is with your life? He is fully, completely involved in your life. Much more than we assume when we go to work tomorrow morning or whenever. Do you think maybe he cares for you a little bit more than you thought? It's not just the Father. 
but the triunity of God. Every person of the Godhead is intimately involved in your life, working for His glory. It's not about us, if I haven't said that enough already. But lest we start to believe, oh, man, God just, God just thinks about me all the time. It's just all about me. No, no, no. He loves you, and if it's all about you, then, then you're not receiving the love of God because the love of God is going to turn you away from yourself into Him. Because you're just going to get lost in yourself. You're just going to get sidetracked and discouraged, and you're going to miss out on the glory God has prepared for you. The love of God and the kindness of God turns us to Him. And we have Jesus interceding for us at the right hand of the Father, our human, inter- our human representative. We have the Spirit in us, indwelling us. How much closer could God be? He couldn't. That's what he did. That's what he does. That's what he did. How much more, how much higher of a price could Jesus have paid for your life? There is no higher price. He paid the max. He paid the max. There was no bidding for your soul. There was no bidding contest. Jesus walked up and said, you know, all of me, everything. That's how much God loves us, church. Here's our takeaway and we're done. Realize how real and close God is to you today. Look beyond all the concerns and desires and fears in your life. That's what's good about this. We battle against the flesh. We war against the flesh all week, and here we are together. And we don't got a lot of concerns in this moment. We don't need to. God says, just sit there in that seat and receive. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? So receive this right now. Look through your desires, concerns, your fears, your trauma. Look through it for a second. And see how much he loves you. And see how active he is in your life. There may be all these unresolved things. Right, but, but God is active. He's working good. Don't run ahead of God. Just be with him. Receive it right now. Pray with me. Father, thank you so much for this word. Thank you for this spirit's work of intercession. Now I am praying. I'm communing with you, Lord. And I don't know what I should pray. (laughs) But the Spirit 